Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Three, two, one, we're live. July 8th, 2017. And as always, I am joined here at the helm by my rhythm martial arts, Steve Cooper Deal. Hey, Bob, how's it going over there in sunny, freaking hot Burbank? <laughs> <laughs> sunny, freaking hot. No kidding. It has been so hot here that the, the heat wave started like Thursday, Friday ish, and it's been uh-huh. hot. It's been well into the triple digits, almost 120. Today it was a little cooler, didn't break 100, but Friday it was 118 at 10 in the morning. Uh, yesterday it was extremely hot. Uh, you know, so so we've hit, we've had, as you can see, we've had my, my granddaughter quite often because I'm yeah. driving with my accent. And, okay, so we decided we're going to go pick her up from our other grandparents to get her out of the house. We're going to go to the Glendale Galleria because it's nice cool in there. And I'm convinced, you know how you've seen, they've joked about uh, lounges at the mall for just the husbands. It's like a husband lounge, right? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> they, they had a room. That, they have a business going in the Glendale Gallery. It's not open yet. I thought... Mm-hmm. What a name for a husband's lounge at the mall called the <laughs> escape room. <laughs> the, the escape I room. There, and I'm not a dude. At, well, well, it's going to be very simple. A full bar, a strip club, and a Hooters <laughs> restaurant attached to it. <laughs> I would go to the full bar, assuming that they had food. I don't know about, you know, going to Hooters or whatever. <laughs> well, that's why this is the husband's escape lounge. Right. No, I remember. We, I would, remember. we would be happier, and we would go shopping with our wives a lot more. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, and little do you know that those, uh, that those wives are probably in, like, Bed Bath & Beyond looking for very sharp Ginsu knives to take home with them after you do that. <laughs> that. That's right. That's right. But I don't have to worry about that. My wife does, doesn't speak Japanese. Oh. <laughs> and then, so we're, 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 I, I bought a used car yesterday. So my, ah, my, so da- my granddaughter. Now, do you know, we all have certain terminologies that we use all the time. You, you use, uh, badass a lot. I use, I know, right? Yeah. My granddaughter, two years old, she's starting to mock myself and my wife. She no is way. flat out mocking us. 
No. My, my wife just said, uh, yes, Olivia. And she looks back at her and she says, yes, Grandma. Or yes, <laughs> Nana, whatever she calls her. So, where is this car dealership yesterday? And somebody says something, and I say, I know, right? Then, out of the blue, I hear this little voice go, I know, right? And I was like, oh, my God, I am being flat-ass mocked by a two-year-old. A fight I could never win. But last Sunday, I became jelly, though. This was the first time this ever happened. My son came and picked her up. And he says, oh, go give hugs. And and she gave my wife a hug. And then she comes over to me and says, bye, Grandpa. First time uh-huh. she ever called me that. I, I looked uh-huh. at my son and said, she can't, she, she can't leave now. Uh-huh. <laughs> I said, she's staying with us. Aw. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just looked at the comments. Hi, everybody. We've got, what do we have? What do we have right now? We've got uh, Tom Dwyer, Kathy Long, and others are watching along with me. Hey, guys. Hey. says it had 110 and thunderstorm and rain felt like Florida. Uh, Terry Lopez says Bob's sound is too low. Let's fix that real quick. <clears throat> Let's bring up the mix a little bit. All right. How's that? Is, uh, hopefully that'll uh, fix it, Bob. Any better, Terry? Any better, Derry? And uh, Lupo says, I like malls. I would like malls better if they brought the arcade back. And John also says, yeah. on, Bob. Yes. Yeah. And John Lupo also says that it's so hot in the city of Los Angeles that it had changed their nickname from L.A. to L.A. L.A. <laughs> That's how hot it is there. Um, John goes, come on, Bob. How can you outsmart about a two-year-old? John, you don't know this little girl. This little girl is smart. Full of attitude. She, she, <laughs> she has to be wrapped around her little finger. No. Well, that's the, that's what granddaughters are for. They're supposed to wrap grandpa around their little finger, and and you get to show her all sorts of stuff, like, you know, how to build a fire, how to use a stick, how to someone's throat with a knife, you know, stuff like that. Right, exactly. Exactly. Uh, oh, my, my, my wife is mad. I got to share it with you. Over Uh-oh. in Ireland, you know, my daughter's, my daughter's been there for three weeks now. She mm-hmm. got her nose pierced. Oh, no. <laughs> and my, my wife went insane. It lasted one day and she pulled it out. Oh, really? It's like well, come I mean, come back to the states. I'll pierce it for you. <laughs> well, I mean, she pulled it out after one because it was like a pain in the ass, pain in the nose, <laughs> or you know. Uh, or she, she just it. didn't like it. She just didn't like the look. Oh right, have a stud just kind of sticking out. Yeah, you, you know, right. some look good with a pierced nose, um, but some on some faces it just it doesn't look right. You know, uh, not that it looks yeah, ugly, and, but, and but I, well, true, true. But I don't get like my uh, my daughter in law's sister has a earring in her lip. She's only like sixteen, but as one of mm-hmm. those lip rings that hang out, right. I, I just mm-hmm. never I ne- I never understood that. 
You know, I, I don't either. Cause how do you eat? You know, it's kind of like tongue piercing. What's the point? Yeah. How do you eat? Do you have to get out before you eat? And then how do you clean in that hole after you eat? Oh, I think I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Hey, Sutra says, hi, Sensei. Hey. Hey, Tom, how you doing? Who else is listening? <clears throat> you got Cecil Peoples watching. We've also Ooh. got, yeah, we've all got Rick Bear watching, Tyrone Assey's watching, uh, Robbie Lee's watching, um, and who else? Uh, Angel Fellows, Chris Terry, hi, hi, Sensei, Lori Katzer-Bremer, hi, Sensei Lori, and George, our buddy George is watching, Lynn Varghese is watching also, hi, Lynn, Tyrone Buck is watching, how you doing? And of course, our our diehard fans, Terry, John, Dane, and George, I already said George. And so anyway, so we got, we got a bunch of people watching. And of course, you know, Tom Dwyer and Kat, hi Kat, and everybody else. So anyway, look at all the likes and the love. Hit that like button, folks. Hit that like button. All right. Oh, wow. So we talked a little bit about your car, right? Or was that before? Right. So, Talk a little see, bit about it. Let me get to the point where I can't tell the difference between green room and real show. I don't know. All right. Well, let's move on with the show. Who do you have birthdays there, Bob? Okay. For birthdays, let me reopen up the email. We have, tomorrow, we have our good buddy, Sensei, Mike Rivera from uh, Lima Lama and King Swando. On the 10th, one of uh, uh, Cam Yoon's students, or no, I'm sorry, Archie Wong's students, Seagong uh, Angel Alberto Velasquez. On 7-11, we have my dear friend, best friend on the planet, Greg Wooldridge. Uh, let's see, on the, on front, you know, <laughs> I gotta bring this up. There are a couple birthdays that are landing on Friday, the thirteenth. That's right. That that's gonna be quite interesting. It's my 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 sister, and and every year I have trouble bringing this up. How do I how do I always broach this subject? My dear friend, my sister in the martial arts, Rosita De Jesus, is turning. Uh, on the 13th of the month, this Friday is her birthday. Uh, also, we have Danny Lopez on the 13th. On the 14th, we have Tommy Bogansky, which started our birthday announcements a few years ago. We have Alberto Crane. He's a uh, BJJ instructor here in the city of Burbank. And we have our Elvis impersonator, or Actually, Elvis Tribute, he did crack me one time. Robert Dixon, his birthday is also on the 14th. Wow. wow. I wonder if we should make sure we're dinner on the 15th. So that reminds me. So we and tell everyone this guys are going to be in the Burbank area. Okay. And I'm going to. Um, he over at Talk Restaurant in, in Los Angeles. I want you 
behavior in the area. And all the other types, you have a birthday this month. Come on out and just celebrate all together. I know Roger Lowe's coming. Um, I'm going to reach out to Robert Dixon after the show and see if he wants to come out. Um, and anyone else <laughs> that has a birthday this, this month. So come on out, folks. So come have you... Out. I, I don't, since your birthday is on the 13th, have you, and on all the Fridays that you've had it, have you ever had any weird thing happen to you on Friday the 13th on your birthday? That's a good question. No. No, I haven't. It's um, I, I've always considered it a very lucky day. So, you know, my my mom really considered it a lucky day because I was the, the way that I was born. According to the doctors, I should have, shouldn't even be here. I should have died on July 13th. But I didn't, <clears throat> so uh, my mom considers it to be a very lucky day in general. And with it being Friday the 13th, um, I, I, I still consider it to be, you know, more lucky for me as opposed to being bad. You weren't, you weren't born on Friday the 13th, were you? No, I was born on a Wednesday. Ah, okay. Yeah. Tom Dwyer goes, LOA, you look so young. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> Well, yeah, hey Rusty, you know you do know that Tom wears glasses, right? I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, dude! Oh, dude! White <laughs> spot starting. I have two actually. I have a spot starting there, and one here. But I think this one is more of um, just a tanned, uh, a tanned um, scar. Box. I remember that one. I remember popping that by running into a door. <laughs> that was ugly. <clears throat> Krista Terry was born Friday the 13th, right on. And Chris Terry says, look for my family as well. Awesome. All right. Let me look at my first we And you know what? You're breaking up really bad. Well, that's because I'm looking. Sensei David Nelson, 
is having his birthday along with my friend Lee Rose. Um, and on the parent of one of my students, Renee Lost, is having her birthday same month. She's a fundraiser. Operation Hope. Um, it's a organization for military Go check that out. And let's see, Mike Crane also shares a birthday with me and with Jerry Jacobs, Kate O'Reilly, and Linnell Christie. And on Saturday, I think I already said Vince Cesare, right? Yeah. And also we got Grandmaster Rodel Dagaok. He's an incredible Escrimonkly master. It's his birthday. And uh, Miriam Villoria, old neighbor of mine, and another high school classmate, um, Mike Basconzio. <laughs> Everybody having a birthday on the week of July 8th through the 14th. This tune is for you. Hello. Here we go. share the Dragon Fest with you via text, so maybe you uh-huh. could put the, dra- put the Dragon Fest flyer up. Mm-hmm. Well, my phone's acting really weird, damn it. Oh, that's uh, okay. I have a variation of it right there. Well, I'm pretty sure you can see it because, you know, you're on phone. But I have one, so when you start talking on my about phone, it, right? Yeah, when you're talking about it, it's right there because I have it right now. Cool. Okay, well, as we know, uh, is Janie Larkin Miser watching or not yet? Um, let me look here. Yep, Janie. Oh, Janie very Larkin. cool. 
Jeannie, real quick, I hope you got your tickets. Uh, I hope we hooked you up with uh, with uh, Dan uh, Ross to get your ticket. I hope that worked out real well for you, and I hope you got your, your hotel, whether it's the uh, Griffith Park uh, Motel or Travel Lodge or something real close to the area. Yeah. But on the get it 20th. Oh, go ahead. So let me keep going. Of course, my wife's calling in right now, so that's going to suck. I'll, I will hear about that later. Uh, 25th and 6th of next month is going to be Dragon Fest uh, at the Pickwick Garden and Convention Center at, in the city of Burbank at 1000 Riverside Drive. Now, there's a couple things that are different this year. Everyone 17 and under will be admitted to the Dragon Fest Expo at no charge. So bring the entire family. Bring your martial arts schools. Bring public schools, whatever. Bring all the kids. It'll make it a fun time for them all, for, for everybody. And all active military are free with a valid military ID. Uh, everybody, you know, of course, after that, everybody's saying, well, what about veterans? What about veterans? We appreciate you coming, but they are not free this year at least because there are so many veterans. It, it is a, Remember, it is a fundraiser for right. the museum. Uh, and when you bring your families, we've they've got bowling, arcade, pool tables, uh restaurants, uh, ice rink, all on the same property so the kids can go have fun. And uh, for the adults, there's also a full, full bar on, on, on uh, property as well. They will be serving food all day for the, uh, the, the expo only. The, next, the following day is everybody 18 and over is welcome to come to the, to the uh, seminars the next day because they'll have like Ben and Jericus, Don Wilson, Michelle Manu, Cam Yoon, uh, all these amazing martial arts. In fact, Michelle's going to be doing two seminars that day. Right on. Uh, it's just, it's going to be a great time. I'm really looking forward to it. And it's only a month and a half. In fact, this weekend, we're going to get together, probably before we go out for your for your birthday dinner on Friday, we're going to be getting together with Michael, my wife, myself, and putting the booths together. Nice. Uh, meaning that we're going to we're going to assign the booths uh, to all the vendors and and the celebrities coming out because they've just uh, solidified uh, Michael Jai White, Cam Yoon, uh, Matt Moy. Don Wilson will be there, Benny Akita, Doug Wong, Kerry Wong, Carl Totten, Felix Roles. Uh, we're going to be there. We're going to have a big booth this year. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a blast. It's a blast every year. And Michael's tried some things in the past that haven't quite worked out, like the, the two-day expo. Remember that? Oh, my. We were so done at the end of that. It was so tiring. That was the first day. <laughs> I know it was just it was nuts, and we are we are uh, storming the Mexican restaurant across the street the night of Dragon Fest. So we're going to go from Dragon Fest over to the over and, and eat some good Mexican food right across the street. We won't even have to move our cars. Nice. 
Uh, and when are you guys uh, setting up the um, setting up the table stuff? Just so I can, it can come down there and help. I I would imagine they're they're probably going to do it uh, Friday night, just like they did last year. Oh. And okay. and another plus is that unlike last year, parking is free, and they have two huge parking lots. God. Front and back. <laughs> so the oh main God. entrance to the to the hall is uh, uh, on the ice rink side, and they also have another huge parking lot over by the bowling alley side, and you can get to the banquet area from both sides. Oh, nice. So it's just they're going to have – right now he has 129 booths. There are 150 available, so there's still 21 booths outstanding. So if you have something to share, uh, if you're a celebrity, if you manufacture product, if you're a wholesaler, because like Valley Martial Arts will be there, uh, people like that. Uh, they've got a huge foyer area. I forgot. He's not calling it a foyer this time. It's something else, but it's a huge area out front by the registration. Plus, they have all the booths inside, and they have a little stage area for all the demonstrations because there's going to be cultural dem- demonstrations, hula, that sort of thing, uh, taiko drums, uh, Filipino uh, drumming, uh, and there's also going to be martial arts demonstrations by like Vincent Seri. He's going to do nice. a Sanuka's Root Jiu-Jitsu demo. So it's going to be a blast. Everybody should come out. I know Janie yeah. Larkin is coming all the way out from, from uh, Kentucky. Oh. Uh, Dan, Dan Ross can't make it. Like, he had already bought his tickets and found out he can't make it out here. So it's yeah. just going to be a blast. We, you know, we, we stormed, we're going to storm Denny's in the morning for breakfast. Then we're going to storm the, the Mexican restaurant at, at – uh, at night. So I'm really looking forward to it. This is going to be a blast this year. It is. It's going to be totally awesome. Great. So, so I've got one event. And this event is a Pacific Association of Women Martial Artists Training Camp 2018. Our theme here is Hear Me Roar. And it goes from Thursday, August 16th through Sunday, August 19th at the YMCA Camp Loma Mar at 9900 Pescadero Creek Road in Lomar, California, 94021. And just a a preview of some of the teachers that are going to be, or actually the teachers that are going to be teachers here. We've got Professor Barb Bones of Kajukanbo. She'll be teaching. Seafood Wire and and, um, Seafood Sally Chang, Seafood Rob Dahlberg doing Tai Chi in Qigong. Uh, with uh, Michelle Dwyer having the addition of Shaolin Gong Fu. We've got the Sabum Nim Jen Berg and Chobum Nim Sierra who will be uh, teaching Taekwondo uh, themed classes. Uh, Molly Kansen Singh will be teaching Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Sifu Ann Keen will be teaching Arnis. Master Uyen Pham will be teaching Cha Yon Ru and uh, Bo Feng Do. I'm not familiar with Bo Feng Do, but I'll look it up. Sensei Nikki will be teaching judo and contra tigresa. She's awesome. will be teaching capoeira, and uh, I'll be teaching this year also. I'll be teaching uh, tangamut and the Filipino martial arts concept. So it's going to be very cool. 
cool. <clears throat> and Aaron, I hope to see you there. Aaron Huey is watching. Yay, Palma. Um, so this summer's camp, um, you can actually go to org. It's open to women and teen women, uh, women and teens um, that are either a um, martial artists or interested in martial arts and want to kind of get to see what, uh, what's going on there. Um, I'm not quite sure what cost this one. Um, have to take a look, but all the the information is at pawma.org. And uh, this is a, a camp for women and organized by women. And I know it sounds sexist, but it's just a throwback from the 70s, right? <laughs> and, right. you know, sometimes, you know, you, you know, you, you, you're working out every day, day in, day out with, with the guys in your dojos and quins and dojos and stuff like that. And sometimes it's just good to hang out and, and uh, fight with women. <laughs> so Aaron Huey says it's around three bucks. Oh, I was going to ask Aaron if we're going to be the medic again this year. So that's good. Um, yeah, I I don't know because I'm not on the board of directors this year, so I, I don't know. And uh, teachers are are free, so uh, but I should probably register because I still have to register. Anyway, uh, that's it for that's it for my announcements. And um, Aaron writes plenty of martial arts out there, co-ed. So there you go. All right. Well, with the announcement out of the way, let's, uh, I guess, time to get on to Hellman News. Right. Well, this isn't so much health news for um, us, but rather more so for your pets. And uh, this is all about um, dental marijuana in your Right, so call to vet veterinary services and poison helplines are um, on the rise about accidental marijuana ingestion in pets, and uh, calls have surged 448 percent over the last six years, according to a statement provided by the American Veterinarian Medical Association. 448 percent. Wow, that's crazy. Now, <clears throat> dogs are curious. And indiscriminate about stuff that they eat, and that means that they're more likely to wolf down a discarded joint, get into a bag of marijuana flowers, or gobble a marijuana edible, and so on. Now, a veterinarian, Laura Stern, with the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center, told NBC News about all this via email. She's, we've seen a significant increase in the number of calls we've received about pets and marijuana. Bats can also be harmed by marijuana, usually by exposure to secondhand smoke. But about 90% of marijuana-related calls to the animal poison control are about dogs. Now, another veterinarian, um, Bowie, at Pet Emergency and Special Center of Marin, California, estimates he treats about four or five dogs a week who have consumed marijuana. And he says that treatment is supportive. And if signs are moderately good, we do home nursing care. For more serious cases, we give IV fluids and do a respiratory watch. Now, 
far as dogs are concerned, they have they have larger concentrations of uh, cannabinoid receptors, which are involved in memory, appetite, and the sensation of pain, more so than humans, which makes them more susceptible to the effects of cannabis than we are, says Gary Ritter, a veterinarian at Holistic Veterinary Care in Oakland, California. That's why Dr. Richter urges people to call their vet their dog has ingested any marijuana. He says that people have a tendency to just laugh it off and get cute or think it's, oh, look, spot is stowed, you know. But um, the, the doctor says find out what is recommended for um, treating your dog. Some dogs have seizures or even some comatose. And cannabis may also cause dogs to have low heart rates, low body temperature, low blood pressure, tremors, or dilated pupils to the idea of a really bad trip, Dr. Oi says. They are disoriented, hyperreactive, and they can all be some somnolent. They stumble around and they pee on themselves. Now, more concentrated forms of THC, that, you know, psychoactive compound, can have dramatic effects on dogs. The more THC a pet ingests, the more severe the signs generally are. So it takes a smaller amount of concentrated material, like edibles or even just a roach, to cause an issue than it would with regular plant material. Now, marijuana toxicity in animals can be treatable. So um, Dr. Bowie urges all owners to contact a veterinarian if uh, exposure is, is suspected. Now, also, marijuana smoke also, can also cause dogs to get contact buzzes, just like humans, um, and vet warn against smoking marijuana when pets are in the room. So, okay, so if you have a pet and you've got, like, roaches lying around or edibles lying around, I mean, come on, folks. Let's be, can we be a little more responsible about because you know if they eat a lot they're dead there's a story um that's on this particular article that i'm not going to read about poor lady's dog was just being all um <clears throat> lethargic stuff like that and then when they went to go to pick her up to t- take the dog to the vet the dog would just shudder shake and couldn't keep her eyes open she was peeing all over herself and could walk and stuff like that um, and that dog survived just barely. Um, other dogs have gone into coma and end up uh, inhaling their own vomit, and uh, they get treated, but they end up with uh, sepsis or pneumonia because of inhaling it. So, you know, be careful out there, folks. You know, there's a lot of medical um, medical um, benefits to cannabis, yes, but not necessarily to your pets. So be be careful there. So there we go. All right. So with that said, I think it's time to get weird news. Weird news. I want to remind everyone that uh, after we get done with this first segment, we've got just uh, this segment and entertainment news. We're going to break and then we're going to open up phone lines. So um, I see that people are to call already, so just hang tight, guys. Um, we're not going to open the lines until until the first segment. Just hang tight. All right, good news. Okay, poisonous books found in library of University of Southern Denmark. These rare books dating from the 16th and 17th centuries 
have been found by scientists to be covered in a deadly poison. The discovery in a university library has echoes of the novel and film The Name of the Rose, which sees a string of monks in the 14th century Italian monastery killed off by the toxic pages of a forbidden manuscript. X-ray analysis of the books held by the University of Southern Denmark revealed a large concentration of arsenic on the covers. The volumes were being studied because it had previously been discovered that medieval manuscript fragments had been used by bookbinders to make their covers. In attempts to identify the Latin text used, researchers found they were hard to read because of a heavy layer of green paint obscuring the letters. The study of this green pigment layer revealed it to be arsenic, one of the most toxic substances in the world. Uh, Kerr Lund Rasmussen, an associate professor at the University of Southern Denmark, told Fox News, the moment we put the x-ray beam on the green surface, we saw the fantastic high amounts of arsenic. It is likely that it was applied to the books to protect them against insects and vermin. The three volumes are now stored with safety labels in a ventilated cabinet. It is planned to disguise the, the, the content to reduce the handling of the books. Wow. Wow. So I'll, I'll, I'll never, because, you, you know, as parents, when our kids are coming up, we always used to tell them, come on, reading would never, reading will not kill you. Guess yeah. what? I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Or you can't read it a detox. Jeez. That's wow. right. Well, this interesting, weird news. Oh. All right. Let's move on to entertainment news. Rescuers in Thailand Thailand have stunningly removed some of the boys trapped in a flooded, treacherous cave. Four boys made an eight-hour trek with the help of Thailand's Navy SEAL unit scuba diving to safety. The four boys were immediately taken to the hospital. One was airlifted, and three were taken by ambulance. Now, the reason... And I don't know why it must have copied over. The reason that it made entertainment news is the boys that were caught in this cave were soccer players in the World oh. Cup. Wow. Did it say? I never, never. I mean, I knew they were in there. I didn't know how they got stuck in. Does anyone know how they got stuck in there? No, it looks like they were just exploring. Oh. I mean, if they got in. They got stuck. Well, it the the cave like they were exploring this cave and it got flooded. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, I guess they're trapped if it got flooded. Wow. <clears throat> well, that sucks. 
Well, it's a, so they're in the process yeah. of being rescued. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, here here's the story I'm reading off of. Uh, uh, let's see. Yeah, it says trapped soccer boys rescued from Thailand cave. Rescuers in Thailand have stunningly removed some of the boys trapped in the flooded, treacherous cave. Four of the boys made an eight-hour trek with the help of Thailand's Navy SEAL unit, scuba diving and safety. The four boys were immediately taken to the hospital. One was airlifted, and the other three were taken by ambulance. Wow. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, all right. That was it for the entertainment news. So why don't we do this, folks? Um, let's go ahead and take a short minute break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit about mistakes and misconceptions in the martial arts. Mistakes, not so much physical mistakes, um, but more so, you know, like maybe etiquette mistakes, uh, be, you know, a time you underestimated an opponent, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, so we'll talk a little bit about that. We also talked a little bit about uh, drills, their usefulness, um, and, uh, you know, they can drills be applicable in um, real martial arts um, encounters? Because, and the reason why I put that out there is that, you know, I was talking with someone in one of my throwing summers today, and he he's one of those guys that is really hip on reality, reality in martial arts. No, he, he thinks that anything you watch on TV is, is bullshit, you know, like the, you know, Crouching Titan Dragon. And I tried to tell him, well, yeah, if you see a movie like Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon in China, they already know that a movie like that falls under the category of wuxia, you know, or, um, you know, martial heroes uh, type of the thing. A lot of these stories are based on fables and stories and stuff like that. So they know that, you know, this whole flying top of the boo and stuff like that is, is, can be bullshit. But, you know, it's a movie and they know that can suspend disbelief. <laughs> Whereas, you know, yeah. is it just me or is it just people here in the United States that are all like, that bullshit if it doesn't work in the ring, it's bullshit. I mean, is it, you know, is it just me? <laughs> you know? Uh, anyway, so... Let's go ahead and take a short break, and we're going to be talking about all that. So we'll back after the If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ag Council. Dear parents, much of what we learn in this world comes directly from you. Whatever your message is, it will become part of us forever. Please teach us to accept one another. Teach us to respect one another. Please, do not fill our minds with hatred. Do not expose us to bigotry. Do not teach us to judge each other by race, religion, orientation, or the color of our skin. Teach us the concept of tolerance. Teach us to understand one another. Teach us to accept people of different cultures and persons with different beliefs than yours. 
Please help us to create a world where every man, woman, and child is treated equally. Dear parents, please don't teach us words of hate. We learn from you every moment. If you use certain words which might be hurtful to others, we will repeat that word. Please don't show us acts of hate. If you act against people of different faiths, we will repeat your actions. Dear parents, we are your children. And we are relying on you to help us create a world where every person is tolerant of one another. Inside this little Burbank building, this is the first museum in the world dedicated to martial arts. It, it really reflects on the style and the, the philosophy of each and every different culture. White eyebrow kung fu, monkey kung fu, the animal styles, Shaolin. Talking about the ninja here. Japan had the samurai. Here we go into our Korean section. In fact, every corner of Asia and the Pacific has its own martial arts. It'll be an absolute shame if one day you ask a kid and he doesn't know who Bruce Lee is. From the history of the Japanese samurai to the artistry of anime, Enjoy a look into Asian culture by visiting the Martial Arts History Museum in Burbank. Hi, this is Frank Duke. This is T. Joe Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest? Or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk radio show? If you do, you can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamicdojoradiohost at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. If you're just not tuning in, our phone number here is 347-677-0699. The phone lines are now open, and we're going to go ahead and take our first call. So let's go ahead and uh, take this. So we've got the area code 704-704. You're on Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. Who's this? Hey, this is Pat McDaniel. How are you guys? I'm oh, doing good, Pat. <laughs> What's going on? Not much. Just hanging out. We're going to be talking about all sorts of cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, glad I, I heard. Yeah, we're going to be all sorts of cool stuff. And, um, you know, uh, Professor Patrick, he's... I always love it when you call in, Professor, because, you know, when it comes to sex like this, you know, this guy has seen it all and been through it all. <laughs> He's one of, those, one of those guys, and I just love it when he calls in. So um, <laughs> the first subject that Bob and I would like to kind of throw out there for our audience, and you can call there or give us a call, 347-677-0699 up there. Um, is mistakes and misconceptions in the martial arts. And um, as I said a little bit earlier, not talking so much about physical mistakes, like, like you know, 
fist wrong or making a wrong fist or, you know, or messing up a form in a tournament. I'm not talking so much about that, but some a little bit more on etiquette mistakes that you've made that may or may not have resulted in embarrassing situations <laughs> and also the misconceptions that you've made, um, such as maybe underestimating an opponent and then getting your clock cleaned. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about that. Mistakes in the martial arts. Um, now, John Crane is watching, and he writes, I got into a huge argument with a friend who did not like flying in martial arts films, but he's wearing a Superman T-shirt. <laughs> I explained that it's the same thing. I know, right? I explained that it's the same thing. He's talking about wuxia or, um, or, or qinggong. Uh, she says is uh, very prevalent Chinese mythology, but anyway, so here's this dude, you know, uh, John's arguing with he, that's wearing a Superman T-shirt, who was saying that he did flying in his movies, and John said, you know, it's the same thing. You don't have to explicitly have it every movie because it, it would be expected that the Asian audience understood it when watching it. So there you go. So let's talk a little bit about some misconceptions that you guys might have made um, in your martial arts career, or, you know, perhaps I should say in our younger days, because, you know, we were all young and dumb. And, mm-hmm. well, in my still still dumb, and there's a lot of stuff I need to learn. But let's, um, let's start with all of us, and then we'll take it into the, uh, to the audience below. So write down your mistakes and misconceptions down there, folks, and give us a call. So let's start with Bob. What's uh, something that you that you had been done in your younger years that you know? That, I, I couldn't hear you, Rose. Did you say that again? Um, uh, what have you done in your younger years in martial arts that might have been embarrassing, or maybe you made a faux pas or etiquette, or maybe underestimated somebody and get your ass handed to you? I mean. Do you have any um, situations oh, like that? Oh, you bet. You you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll, we'll just share stories. <laughs> well, I, when I was doing a Randy Williams seminar, I was trying to outdo it. One that was stupid because I ended up black and blue. My arms, I, I looked like I changed ethnicities. My arms were black yeah. and blue. <laughs> the whole the whole way, and I Let's because I it. tried out doing, and that was stupid. One, it was disrespectful, yeah. and he knew what I was doing, so he was going harder on me, and I just got my ass whipped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, was it during a filming or something, or at the seminar? It was at a seminar. Oh, so you you want to be the dumb dog? <laughs> Yeah, and I got spanked. You wanted to be he all took a roll. Well, I did, okay. and he took a rolled up newspaper and ha- and tapped me on the nose. <laughs> Very good troll. <laughs> Very good troll. Because yeah, man, one time, one time, one of my black tried to undo me, and I dropped his ass right there. Boom! And I said, "I'm like, you get up." You better shut the fuck up. 
seriously? You know, okay. So, I mean, I gather you were in your 20s because most most people, even us women, when we're in our 20s, we think we're the shit. We think, no, didn't, don't. So, were you in your 20s? Yes, I was. <laughs> Still in your I, drinking. I was in my. <laughs> well, you're sitting in your drinking, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> at a seminar even oh my god dude you took that in a traditional Chinese Chinese <laughs> seminar try that in a Kajikembo seminar <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's that, not, I just remember well I, I remember it like it was yesterday all he did was give me a smile <laughs> That's all he did. He <laughs> smiled at me. He knew what I was doing, and he knew it wasn't going to end real well for me. <laughs> John Lupo writes. John Lupo writes. I want to be all big tough guy, huh? <laughs> but you know, we've all been there, and don't say you haven't, folks. We've all thought we were basses at one point. <laughs> all wanted to test ourselves a little bit, even against their own instructors. However, there were a few instructors where I dare not cross people out the Costco. them. <laughs> yeah, Steve Aldecascos was uh, one of them. Um, Ted Fellow is another person I dare not cross. Um, well, let's, let's talk a little bit about Grandmaster Ted, and Professor knows who is Grandmaster Ted Fellow. When I first met him, this is a mistake that a classmate of me outlined made at a seminar. So this is a seminar with Sifu uh, Aldacasco and Sifu Tutelo. Well, Sifu Tutelo is just this big hurricane guy. You know, he kind of looked like he just sat around and drank beer all day, right? And he was kind of scruffy, <laughs> scruffy beard and hair that was all over the place. Sifu El goes, so we're going to split the room into two parts because the room was was you know, in two sections. We're going to split them in two parts. We're going to have um, some people with me and some people learning new stuff with Sifu Ted. So, of course, you know, more people started coming to Sifu Al, right? And Sifu, Sifu Al goes, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. And then Sifu kind of smiles and says, who's your best person in here? And looks at my teacher, Sifu Faircloth. Who's your best person here? And he pointed at Rob, this guy named Rob. He was really good. He was quick. He had these great kicks and was also studying uh, Eskrima with uh, Grandmaster Kako and, and uh, Chris Petrelli. He was really quick. He comes up there and, you know, robs all, you know, 20-something, you know, being a pretty boy, skilled and everything like that. And he kind of looks over it at Sifu Ted. And uh, he goes, Sifu Ted goes, okay, I just want you to just try and touch me on the forehead. Just try and touch me. And if you touch me, that meant you could have knocked me out. Okay? It's like, okay, any way I want? Sure, any way you want. And he just stood there with his hands down, squared up. Not in a fighting stance, he's squared up. And so, you know, he's in his, like, you know, fighting stance, and he's bouncing all around Steve Ted, and he shoots out his, like, lightning quick jab. And before, I could swear, it was before he, he could retract the jab to throw across. And Master Ted hit him at least 20 times, and Rob was on the floor in one second. 
1001. He was on the ground. And we always saw it was a blur. And the look on Rob's face, you know, he'd get tapped in the face and the neck and body. He had this weird miss on his face, kind of like, like that, right? <laughs> and, he, and he went down. And he went down. And, and Rob got up with this huge grin on his face. And he's like, oh, hey. Hell yeah, and he went over to the other side of the room. Pretty soon, everybody went to the other side of the room, and well, just laughed. And we just took up the whole room, and Sifu Ted was gonna teach us how to strike faster and how to string our strikes to get faster, and how to how to find um, you know a, a hand placement to be able to work flow from without having to chamber or even go back to, you know, your standard boxing chamber and how each shot should be before your next shot. We were like, holy moly, that is so badass. But that was that was Bob's mistake. He underestimated the quote-unquote big fat beer belly guy, right? You know, not, yep, not yep, knowing yep. that you know, Sifu was around since the early, early days. And Sifu <laughs> exactly. just let him up. Let him up. They were like, oh, okay, I'm going to go over there. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was so much fun to watch. <laughs> and he's on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I remember that. Line. That was yesterday. And, uh, what about you, Professor Patrick? Anything Anything you remember from your early, early days and in well, you know, if if you're going to be a serious martial artist, then yes, you're, you're right. You we've all gone through it. You've got mm-hmm. to. If you're going to be a serious martial artist, if you're going to be dedicated, if you're going to stick with it, you're going to make all the boo boos. You're going to, you know, just all the f ups. You, you know, mm-hmm. and the mistakes. Uh, you know, once you once you have experience, you know, as a as a dedicated martial artist or a karateka, you are. You, know, you you learn not to call them mistakes, but lessons. You know because they oh, continue. Yes. Yes. You know, yes, and just continue continue on a, on another degree. Uh, there is a, there's a, a philosophy that goes in the beginner's mind. There are many possibilities. In the expert's mind, there are few. You know because mm-hmm. beginners have this this uh, this preconsumption and this imagination about what will work, and a lot of it. Actually, comes from what they saw in movies, and and I, I I'm one of them, you know, because uh, if you remember when we first met years ago, um, mm-hmm. I made it sound like we've known each other a thousand years. It's only been like four years ago, but when we first met, you know, I told <laughs> you that, uh, you know, it was the Green Hornet that turned me on to martial arts, you know. So once I saw Bruce Lee fighting, then that just sent me to a whole new dimension, and. You know, every every time I saw the Chinese Connection or Enter the Dragon, Return of the Dragon, and then of course the, the Golden Harvest movies on Saturday morning. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, and you know, I remember, I remember clearly watching a move from Enter the Dragon. Uh, no, I'll take it back. Chinese Connection. I saw a move on the Chinese Connection where uh, one of the students was in combat with uh, another school invading this school, and he did like a, a round kick or a wheel kick, and it got trapped. 
and after he trapped the kick, he jumped to kick the man with the other foot. Well, mm. that was beautiful on the movie. In real life, that's the worst mistake you can make. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't know that until I tried that. And uh, we're on a tiled floor, and the tiled floor had concrete underneath. And after my head hit the floor, I ended up going to the hospital with 13 stitches in my head, you know, and a technique that just worked so beautiful in the movies. In real life, I found out not to do that. And, I mean, every year that I've been teaching, I always see one student try to do some stupid stuff like that. I tell them, don't do that. (laughs) I'm telling you why. (laughs) Because I had stitches in my head behind that freaking technique right there. Don't do that, you know. (laughs) And, uh, you know, uh, another thing, let's let's reverse this lesson. Let's reverse this this uh, mistake, if you will. Um, Sometimes you drill and you train and you train and you drill. It's continuous. And, you know, it's it's almost like the uh, Karate Kid movie, the wax on, wax off. You don't realize what the training is for. You're just doing it because your teacher is smart. Your teacher is like, well, we've got to do this and we're doing that and we're doing this and we're doing that. And you're saying in your mind, am I really learning karate? What the hell? What what am I doing? Am I learning karate? And the instructor just keeps doing this and keeps doing that and keeps doing this, and you're training and you're training, and you really, until you actually engage in something like a, a, a real self-defense situation or even in competition. I remember going mm-hmm. into competition one year in 1982, no, 81, 82, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to mention any names, a uh, very well-known cat uh, from the Metroplex area in Texas, Dallas-Fort Worth area. This cat was old school royalty in martial arts. I was reading about this guy when I was a boy, and I ended up in San Antonio, Texas, in the ring with this guy. I thought it was a mistake because here I am, 21, 22 years old, and I'm like, me and him? Are you freaking kidding me? You know, I've been reading about this guy. So we're in the ring. The referee says, go, and I don't know who I am anymore. All I know is I've got this <laughs> martial arts royalty on the other side of me, and moves are being made, and then you hear the referee go, break. And the referee goes, break, and you go back to your fight line, and he calls for score, and all the refs pointed at me. Okay? Oh. Uh, I'm a little, I'm a little, I don't know what's going on right now. But then he says, begin, and we fight again. I don't know who I am anymore. All I know is this cat of martial arts royalty is coming at me, and I hear break. And they call for score, and they point at me again. This is blowing my mind. So now I'm looking (laughs) at this guy across from me, and I see his eyes change. His eyes change, right? And referee says, begin. And this guy comes at me, and with a a lunging front kick, I block the kick, but his toes still caught my sternum area, you know? (laughs) And I just remember that he was bagging me out of the ring, and and, and Kaji Kimball training, going past the ring was a no-no. And I defended myself from getting out, and bam, good forward punch. And I know that happened 
went right across his nose, and blood went everywhere. The nose was broken, and they they had to disqualify me. And this guy went over to the corner, and his, his team worked on him, and he came back, and he said, no, let him fight, let him fight. Well, you know, I'm 21, 22 years old. I'm scared as hell now because I'm looking at this martial arts royalty, and now he wants he wants to continue fighting with, with his nose was all on the other side of his face, you know. But uh, the referee said, no, you know, rules are rules. You know, the nose is broken, blood everywhere. We got to disqualify the guy. Now, I'm disqualified, but my students reminded me, you know, like you were two points ahead. You realize that, right? You know, so – one of the other mistakes we make is we don't really realize that our training is there mm. for a reason because we train and we train to stay in the ring. We train to react. If they come towards you, boom, boom, and this drill and this drill and this drill, because I didn't know what was going on in that ring. All I know is I reacted to his movement, and that's mm-hmm. what that training is for. That's what it's right. for. That's what it's for. That's what it's for, you know? Yes. So that's a mistake. Sometimes we underestimate our own training, our own in our own selves, because I'm in the ring with martial arts royalty, and I was two points ahead before I was disqualified, <laughs> you know. So I don't know how that thing would have turned out. <laughs> anyway, that's my spiel. <laughs> that, you know, that is so true, how we underestimate ourselves sometimes. Right. Or we don't, as you say, rise to the occasion because of kind of a misplaced sense of um, – misplaced sense of respect. What I mean by that is I have to kind of deal with this um, in my own school. That, you know, if we do drills and there's, always, and there's a, a class that has a number of people, of course, I will work. In. I'll start with the black belt first and work in drills with them and then, you know, rotate out through the drills. Well, you know, sometimes, you know, the black belt will not, you know, work at the best. Right, you know, and in comparison to what I normally see them work at with each other, right? Like, got these two guys that you know normally would be just beating crap out of each other, you know, and then right. now they're working with me and they're really light and not even touching their targets, and I'm all touch your target, Get it. touch right. your target, whatever, right? You know, and then finally, I, you know, I almost, I almost shouted out of frustration. Why are you dissing me? Why are you not coming at my head when you're attacking me? Why are you not, you know, almost lost it. But then I realized that it was a, not necessarily a misplaced sense of respect, I guess, you know, but Mm -hmm. it was their way of showing a type of respect. Well, you know, we can hit the teacher. Of course. course. And I get it. But that's what communication is for. And I told them, you know, if we're doing something and we're sparring or stick sparring or, or you know, training blade sparring or whatever, and, and you're going a little too fast for me for that day, I'll tell you, let's down. Or if you hit me really hard, I'll say, okay, that hurt a little mm-hmm. bit, but if you want to play that way, we can. But good so, job. Go gear. <laughs> you know, and, you know, and they realized what, what they were doing, you know, and like, oh, I didn't mean that way. And, and I, and I realized that they didn't mean it that way. Um, but, 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 you know, if they do it with me, I mean, you know, are they going to have the wherewithal to be able to tell that difference? You know, we have the saying, what happens in drill happens for real. It's been 
pounded into my brain ever since my early college is what happens in what happens in drill right, right, and right. you even so much as you know pay a tippy tap patty cake with me my mm-hmm. plate patty cake with, with the other upper belts i mean of course i understand that you want to play light with the lower ranks until they you know kind of get up to speed right but exactly. you know yeah. if they're not going to know the difference right then you know how is that going to help them in the street and i guess that's going to be a segue for later when we talk about drills right exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah <clears throat> right so it looks like got people in now remember folks you want to join the conversation please press one on our telephone keypad so that way we know that uh, you're in the caller queue otherwise we're just going to think that you're listening to the show all right right um and who's watching? We got Terry Lee Lopez back with us. George Cornell is back with us. Who else? Russ is back. Um, John Lupo said in in, in um, regards to your story about being the concrete with that uh, with the kick. He goes, in real life, concrete is tough competitor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> ask, it is. Ask me how I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't Jamie, tell me. Right. Janie said she like, I hate it when they glight. Um but yes, it is an unspoken respect, however. If you're black belt you should train as black belt. Exactly. You know, I mean <clears throat> you know, like I said, it'd be one thing if we had no spring gear and you know, get bonged in the head or, you know, I break a pink or something like that, then I'll say, okay, well, you know, we can go a little lighter. I can't the stick now with, you know, four fears. Um, then we go, right? But uh, you would think, though, that they would go a little harder, you know, because they all say, if I want to be better, I want to start or work or do drills with someone better than me. Well, they were. They kind of had to dumb themselves down, and it was like, oh, my God, it's not that you're hurting me. You're hurting yourself now. Right, you know, you're right. you're not you're not you're taking care of that progress that Rusty, if we should end across from each other someday, I'll come to you with everything I have. You'll probably thrash the crap out of me, but I'll give you everything I got. Well thank you. <laughs> thank you. Right. Thank you very much. Because you know, I mean you know, well I guess we'll talk about all that in, in the drill section of our discussion because that's gonna be that's gonna be kind of interesting. Um another reminder if you are calling into the studio, please press one on your telephone keypad if you want to join the conversation. Otherwise, we're going to leave your line there and we won't get up because we don't know that you want to be in the call with you. I see several numbers, um, but they're just going to sit there until they press one. If you want to join us, just look at your telephone keypad, press that one. Oh, hey, have one. <laughs> So let's pick up this line. Let's pick up area code 682. 682, you're on Dynamic Dojo Radio. Who's this? This is George. What's up, guys? Hey, George. How's it going? Uh, doing fine. Good, good. You got any stories of any etiquette mistakes or underestimations or anything that you want to share with us? Well, I remember uh, back in Washington, I was at a uh, a seminar with uh, uh, Master Chen Senlei. Okay. Okay. And he was on stage, and he asked for uh, volunteers. I want to 
to explain to the uh, to the uh, listener right now who Chen Jingli is because no, you know a lot of people don't know who he is. Chen Jingli is the is the nineteenth generation successor to Chen style of Tai Chi Grand Master Chen Jingli. He is my teacher, and uh, I am in the process of thinking about um, applying for disciples. I'm thinking about it. I need to talk with my teacher more. But anyhow, that's Grand Master Chen Jingli. So. You're at a seminar, and you guys are what? Let's tell the story. This, I think I've heard well, this he, story. he was on stage, and he asked for um, uh, volunteers to step on stage with him, and he was uh, showing the uh, power of uh, of rooting your stance. Uh-huh. Uh, so what he would do is he would have us all line up, and I was the last in line, and he mm-hmm. said, all right, grab my hand, and, and uh, they, they, would, they would grab his hand, and he would just like he would just throw them down to the ground, and these guys were hitting the ground like sacks of potatoes, left and right, you know. So he finally gets to me. He throws me down to the ground. I leap forward. I do a fo- I do a combat roll. I pop back on my feet, and he sees me pop up. He looks at me. He goes, "Good job." I'm like, "Thank you very much, sir." You know. <laughs> and then, like two years later, I'm at another seminar. And, uh, and he was just, uh, we, after the seminar, we went to, uh, a Chinese restaurant, uh, just to have dinner after the seminar. And, uh, he saw me there at the restaurant with him and he actually remembered me from two years later, you know, it was, it was rather, rather impressive. Oh, cool. So I kind of missed the mistake or misconception. Whatever. <laughs> no, because no, because no, people, you know, because what he was doing, he was uh, demonstrating um, how his rooting of his stance, because we were supposed to try to pull him off balance, and right. he just basically tossed him to the tosses to the ground. So right. all of these students, they're they're you know sort of playing at pulling him off balance. But right. when he tossed them, they would just hit the ground like a sack of potatoes. All right. Oh. Basically make it look like he was rooted so well and all that kind of stuff. And then when it got to me, I'm sitting there, I'm trying to pull him off balance, and I'm not doing anything to the guy. And then he just yeah. tosses me, and I just bounce to my feet. You know, and he was <laughs> impressed that I, you know, that I was actually able to to, to recover from the role. Right. You know, but all these other students, they they were, I don't know if they were actually trying to get him off balance or they hit the ground so hard to make it, to, to make it look that, you know, he was so impressive by what they did, to, what, what he did to them. So, um, forgive me, George, but I, I'm, I'm not quite following how this is. This is kind of, you know, working into the subject of, you know, what types of mistakes have you made in martial arts as far as like etiquette or whatever. So are you saying that the other people made a mistake by falling down too early and trying to make him look good? Because he, he. Well, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if, it, if it's a mistake or if it's just uh, trying to show. Uh, I respect for the master in, in a sort of offhanded way. All right. By okay. by hitting the ground like that. I remember I was 
was on the receiving end of that particular, you know, desperation as far as rooting, right? We're all trying to push, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, and there, there's actually a way to do it, folks. It's nothing magic or mystical. It's just a matter of, like, just learn to take the energy and, and, and redirect it to your feet instead of trying to resist with your upper body. Yeah, you're said than done. That's why we practice Tai Chi, right? But, <laughs> you know, the, the, the idea the, the idea is that you're already pushing and you know it's kind of like a car crash right so you know if a car is going 20 miles an hour this way and another car is going 20 miles an hour this way <coughs> they, they hit at a combined speed of 30 miles an hour well it's kind of like that so we're pushing against each other to push him over he shifts a little bit and redirects that energy back to us and all it takes is one one person have their arms locked up, and that transfers everywhere else. It turns into basically like a little punch into your shoulders when you know if if people behind the person with locked arms get knocked back a little bit, it's almost like you you kind of get punched a bit. <laughs> and you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of like you know those those swinging balls that like keep hit hit keep hitting each other. And they go like this, right? Well, um, it's like that. And and if one person loses balance because all that, you know, momentum is going in one direction, we're, we're all going to hit the ground hard. And it's not that we don't have any balance, you know, and it's not that we fell on purpose to make the master look good because, you know, we've seen him drop people without, you know, without – uh, I'm not saying that he dropped people with magical, mystical stuff, but it, you know, very similar to China, jiu-jitsu, judo, that kind of thing. You know, someone will punch, and he'll block it, strike once, but then you use that, still use that energy, that, that absorbing energy. <clears throat> and mm-hmm. you know, so, but is it that we were, you know, trying to make him look good? Well, kind of like those. You know, videos on YouTube of people that will just fall for people when they do no such thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's oh, not yeah. so much like that. It's not so much it's not that. We felt <clears throat> you know, inertia works. Gravity works. Momentum works. Um and he just so happens to have better control over his his inertia momentum and his center of gravity than we did at the time. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So anyway, let's uh, let's uh, actually talk about the questions. So you know, while you were studying in the past, have you done any? Have you made mistakes as far as like etiquette, or have you underestimated someone and got ass handed to you and stuff like that? Well, uh, I remember when I was uh, stationed in Germany, I was in a uh, tournament over there. And because I was a black belt, they would have me, uh, you know, referee and all kind of stuff. But they had me uh, 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 going to the the black belt sparring, and mm-hmm. um, they they brought me against this one guy. You know, at the time I was twenty one years old at the time, twenty years old at the time, and. Uh, they they matched me up with this guy who looked like he was pushing fifty years old, mm-hmm. you know, 
And, you know, he, he, we're, we're getting lined up in, in the in the circle, and, and he actually leans over to me and says, uh, take it easy, I'm a young buck, you know, I'm an old guy, you know, all kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, no problem, whatever. And uh, so we we square off, and then he hits me in the face with a with a with a, a knife hand, an inner an inside knife hand, which mm-hmm. puts a gash in my cheek. Mm-hmm. And um, and the tournament at the time had a uh, a no blood policy. So if you uh, strike a person and you cause like a bloody nose or or, or something like that. Then right. the, the fight's over, and then you know you lose, type right. of thing. But mm-hmm. uh, he hits me in the cheek, and I'm and I'm bleeding out of my cheek or whatever. And mm-hmm. I, I'm like, oh, and I leaned over. I'm sorry, you know, I'm I'm bleeding, you know. Mm-hmm. And the referee says, yeah. So they said, well, <laughs> didn't they say there was like a no blood thing? So oh, that's only if you're bleeding from your nose. You're not oh. bleeding from your nose. I'm like. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, this guy basically, you know, God got my ass handed to me, but from this guy, you know, I'm like, okay, fine, you know, whatever, you know. So the, what mistake did you make with that? In oh, the, the mistake I made is because he was so much older than I was, and he, and he leaned in, in saying, well, take it easy on me type of thing. So I thought this was going to be an easy match, not a problem, right. and he it's kicked amazing. my ass. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. I either <laughs> underestimated his skill or overestimated mine. One of the two, but my my ass was handed to be handily. Yeah, it could be both. Could have both, and and easily, you know, could have both. All right, we'll have another caller. Let's go ahead and take this one. Um, Area code two one four two one four on Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio. Right. Who's this? Hey guys, this is Goldie. Hey Goldie, what's up, man? How's it going? Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. Thanks for joining us. You got any stories? Well, um, mine is about how I eventually got into Kempo, Ed Parker Kempo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Prior to Kempo, uh, I I have been studying uh, Japanese Shotokan, and mm-hmm. I was uh, getting ready to test for my black belt in in, in Shotokan, and mm-hmm. then the military, of course, uh, um, sent me to uh, Arizona to mm-hmm. uh, for my first duty station. Well, I couldn't find mm-hmm. any uh, uh, Shotokan schools there. I'm going to be driving down uh, Black Canyon Freeway. Um, and I happened to notice a, a karate school off to the left-hand side at Black mm-hmm. Canyon Freeway and Indian School Road. So I decided mm-hmm. I'm going to stop in there and, and check it out and see if they'll let me use the bag and the mirror to practice on myself. So when I went home to test, mm-hmm. I would still be sh- kind of sharp. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I, I go in there, and, and the uh, um, head of the school was a, a gentleman by the name of Gene Forte. Mm-hmm. And um, I asked him, you know, if I could use the mat. He said, yeah. Come on in, use the mat. But uh, we're having a sparring class tonight, so if you would like to join in, you know, more, you're more than welcome to do so. I oh, nice. Fine. That's fine. That's great. So I get in this ring, and they put me in the ring with this orange belt. Now, remember, I'm I'm a brown belt ready to test for black belt, and I'm going, you know, don't be putting me in with these little scrubs. Just 
at least put a brown belt of somebody of equal caliber. Right, right. Well, when we started that match, this kid beat me from one end of the mat to the other. <laughs> he hit me with so many t- different techniques that I never saw coming at me. And in so oh, many man. different ways, it just blew my mind. Now, understand something. I'm I'm young. I'm about, well, I guess I'm about 19 years old. And I'm going, okay, they put in a black belt to humiliate me because I wasn't Kempo. Mm-hmm. So I go back to my base, and I'm going to train real hard, and I'm going to come back to that school, and I'm going to show them what Shotokan is all about, and I'm going to flip this little butt, everybody's butt in the school, including the instructor. That was my mindset. Mm-hmm. So three months later, I go back down, and I'm 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 all psyched. I'm I'm pumped, and I go in there, and the kid that had beat me so handedly, mm-hmm. I mean I did not score not one technique. Dang. Was testing for his purple belt that night. Mm-hmm. And it freaked me out because for the first time I realized he was a legitimate orange belt, and he knew stuff that I had not even began to learn with all my mm-hmm. four years in Shotokan. That was the mm-hmm. day I converted to Kempo, and I've been in Kempo ever since. Right on. <laughs> it's amazing. You know, and, and you how... know it, it, it's, a, it's amazing how you go into some place and, and you're going, uh, you know, give me somebody, give me some real competition. Right, and, right. And that's what I always tell my students, never underestimate anybody. You know, you never judge a book by its cover because you never know what that book contains. Exactly. And this kid, I mean, he made a a believer out of me real quick. (laughs) Right. Wow, that is the coolest, like, you know, conversion story I've ever heard. Oh, my goodness. And and this was was nineteen seventy. And uh-huh. uh, I have I've been in Kempo every. Wow! How cool is that! <laughs> wow! You know, and, and, and since that time, you know, I I trained with uh, Al and, and Benny DeCosco, uh, mm-hmm. and all these guys. And I, from that point on, I never took anybody for granted. I knew I never took anybody for granted because. Every day of my life now, I always look back to that day that that orange belt just handed me my ass in a handbasket with a rose <laughs> in it. I mean, it just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, and that's, what tell, that's what I tell my students all the time. Don't let that belt go to your head because right. it's, not a matter of, it's not a matter of what rank you got wrapped around your waist. In the final mm-hmm. analysis, in any in any confrontation, you want to hurt you worse than you want to be saved. Right. And that's what it boils down to. Because no matter how good he is, if you, you you're if you're strong enough that you do not want to get hurt, it doesn't matter whether you're a white belt, a yellow belt, or whatever. Self preservation is going to kick in, and you're going to do whatever's necessary to stay safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and, too, and I've seen too, I've seen too many people go into, for example, I um. My my immediate instructor at the time was a gentleman by the name of Jack Farr. 
and he had and I had retired from competition back in 1980. And he brought me up to uh, uh, Reno, Oklahoma, and the reason he brought me up there was because uh, there was this one guy that had been bullying everybody in in the little small community. He was an eighth degree in uh, Okinawan uh, um, karate, and he wanted me to compete in that tournament. And I said, mm-hmm. I, you know, why don't you just go ahead and compete and beat him and and let him teach him that lesson? He says, no, I want you to come up here and do it because I got to live in this town. You don't mm-hmm. have to. You can go back to Texas. Right. So to make a long story short, I beat all of his black belts. Then we get to the grand championship, and it's me and this guy. And he walks over to me, and he goes, take it easy on you. And that kind of got my ire up, and I looked mm-hmm. at him. And I said, "You don't have to take you don't have to take uh, it easy on me." I said, "You give me your best shot because that those stripes on your belt mean absolutely nothing to me." Because mm-hmm. in my head, I'm still thinking about that orange belt that handed me my ass. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I'm saying this guy is underestimating me, and so we get in the ring. And I beat him three to one, and when I went to shake his hand, he wouldn't even shake my hand. Oh, dang, that sport. You know, and I'm going, it was just it was just a competition, man. He goes, now, if this was a street fight, I, I, I would have I really hurt you. I kind of pulled back. Oh, my said, you God. Know what? Let's, I said, let's go outside in the back, just me and you, no gloves. And the man that walks back in knows his shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be the man that walks back in. Right. And he goes, Oh my God. He was, no, he was all I, like, I, I don't want to blah, hurt blah, you. He said, What? I don't want to hurt you? Yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, because he. He was a, he was at the time he was an eighth degree black belt and at the time I was just a second degree black belt. Mm-hmm. And and he's going, you know, I I just don't want to hurt you. I said, oh. have at it. Yeah. <laughs> like, bring you it. Know, because what, what what he did not <laughs> understand was what he did not understand was I had just I had just completed two tours in Vietnam. Right. So, I had seen things that I shouldn't have been seeing at 18 and 19 years old. Exactly. And for and, and for me to fear his his little piece of cloth, and I keep telling my students, I said, you know what? All a white belt is is a it, it, all a black belt is is a white belt that's been dipped in black dye and has been dyed. That's why right. when you look at some of these guys that have been in there for a long period of time and tied that belt for years and years and years. It starts to unravel, the dye starts to wear off, and it starts to look uh, an ugly gray. That's the white showing. Mm-hmm. And what that is, is to remind you of your beginning, remind you of where you came from. Mm-hmm. And, and, and a lot of these guys don't get it. Yeah, they're just looking at the book, you know. Yeah, that's that's too bad. I don't want to hurt you. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I, I thought it was kind of—I thought it was kind of humorous because, you know, I'm—I'm I'm going. And the thing about it is, he kept running into the the simplest technique because I didn't do anything fancy. I all I hit him with was a front kick 
and a back kick. That's it. That's that's the only weapons in my repertoire. And the thing about it is, I got it on DVD for prosperity. Because <laughs> my instructor at the time recorded it on uh, VHS, and then I uh-huh. transferred it over to a uh, uh, DVD. And uh-huh. every time I go up to Oklahoma to give uh, a, a seminar or whatever, you know, he shows up, sees me, and walks back out the door. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you know, when it at, at, yeah, at that point when you know it's it's uh, when it's the opponent that underestimates, it's kind of like yeah, yeah, it's I don't want to hurt you. Oh my God. That's a, that's and, a mistake. And, and you remember what I what I said uh, I told you about what I, uh, I, why I don't like people calling me master. Oh yeah, I forgot many interviews ago that was. But uh, tell us. <laughs> You know, and, and, and to me, you know, he—he he, when I first met him, uh, and and, I, and I'm not going to say his name because he's still around, and he might be listening to the show, but he knows who he is. Um, you know, I took out my hair and said, hey, my name is Goldie, and uh, I'm up here from Texas. And he goes, I'm Master So-and-So, and I'm going. Oh, and the first yeah. thing that jumped in my head was Masturbator. I said, I, <laughs> I, that, that picture I don't I don't want to see. I don't want to see you over there masturbating in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to be seeing none of that. No, thank you. <laughs> no. You know, it, 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 some of these guys get so wrapped up in these titles, and it goes to their head, and they forget. That and yep. like the, the like that like that movie uh, uh, that came out with Al Pacino it, uh, on any given Sunday. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so true. On any given day, you can get your butt whooped. That's right. That's and, right. And it, and it will come from the the, the least likely source. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> like oh that my. orange belt that just tore my butt up. Yeah, yeah. You know and. Funny, not funny, ha, is, uh, haha, but it's, what's funny is that, you know, we've, we've all been there where we go, oh, you know, it's a yellow belt or, you know, or I'm just going to hold this kicking shield uh, like this because they're not going to be able to kick me hard enough. You know what I mean? And then they end up, like, you know, breaking your ankle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, oh, it's. It's funny how lessons are learned like that. It's, it's just hilarious. And, and, you know, and even even to this day, what I, what I find is is that the hardest people uh, for me to uh, bar with are white belts, mm-hmm. yellow belts, because they're so unorthodox. I never know. They haven't been indoctrinated in doing it a specific way yet. Kids come out of nowhere. They come in all kind of weird formulations in their hands travel in such weird angles that you still get hit. And I'm going, you know, because everybody else, when they punch or do something, it's like they're taking a, a movie or they're taking a picture, like a Polaroid. Yeah. But a, mm-hmm. a white belt hasn't got indoctrinated yet. So they're just yeah. throwing stuff. Yeah. And you never know where it's coming from until it hits you. Exactly. And then, of course, they all throw their hands over their mouth and go, oh, my God, oh, my God, he's going to kill me. No. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, good shot. I mean, I never saw that coming. Right? Um, Matt Stone writes, talk about mistakes, culture, and etiquette, referring to yourself as Sifu or master, absolutely flexible, not just done. And a huge red flag when you run into someone who says, hi, I'm, insert title here, Master Jones. You know right away what you're dealing with. That's right. That's right. Now, you know, that kind of leads into um, another question, but let's go ahead and take another call because I've been waiting so patiently. Let's uh, go to area code area code five six two on Dynamic Joe Talk Radio. Hey, good evening, guys. Terry Lopez. Hey, Terry. How's it going? Hey, Tony. Oh, there you go. There you go. Hey, pretty good. Um, again, um, I'm a father of a taekwondoist here in uh, California. And one of the things that I, uh, the misconception that I'm seeing is, like, when you go to different tournaments, everybody knows the rules are a little different, everything's a little different. But when you train, right. from what I'm seeing, like, on my son's behalf, when you train soft all the time, you get into the tournament and uh, you, then you, then you fight soft, you know, and, and it affects him in the long run. I'll give you an example that you just you guys that I know my friends, when you're in class, you tap out early. And if you get into that habit of it, you get into a tournament and you might be able to get out of something, but you're so used to tapping out early, you, you do that. And then this conception right. is, is it's, it's hard to identify one right. to the other. And right. you, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's tough. It's tough what you guys do, man. And I, I really respect all the martial artists out there because I've had my butt wolf. We have a, 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 a seafood that comes to our class, and Randy Helsley lined me up with him one day, and every time I went to punch him, he punched me. And I'm like, where did my punch go? And, I, you know, I worked nightclubs for 15 years, and I was in – I'm not kidding you. I was in a literally, literally 100 fights working at the Cowboy Boogie in Anaheim. There's fights all night, biggest club on the West Coast. And – this guy was deflecting, blocking my punch, but at the same time punching me. I didn't know that existed, <laughs> you know, <laughs> until I got my ass handed to me. And it wasn't like he was hitting me hard. It was just scoring on me. And then I got, right. I didn't get, like, frustrated. I got confused. So I didn't know what to do after a while. You know, I didn't give up, but I didn't understand it. And then he, he kind of, what was really nice broke it down for me, you know, and that's what you guys, you know, with this show, you guys break these things down, and it's just nice to know there's people out there willing to, you know, not only beat your ass, but explain how they did it, (laughs) (laughs) right, (laughs) you know, I mean, it's, I don't know, I've never had an ass whooping where somebody, oh, by the way, you did this and this and this wrong, you know, with martial arts, you know, it's it's over. We're friends. Hug. You know, shake, bow, and then okay, what did I do wrong? <laughs> That's so. I, I love that about of martial arts so that you can learn from people, and no one's got an attitude about it. You know, um, well, yeah, you can't have the chip on your shoulder. Yeah, but you know, it kind of depends. I've you know, I've met up with with you know people that call themselves masters. You know, and preface mm-hmm. the name or whatever, and, and they'll tell you what you're doing 
song, then it's more like it's almost like they're saying the people that I know and you don't know. Yeah, and, and and like the gentleman before me said, you know, it doesn't matter what color your belt is, you know, it, yeah. it, it's how you perceive yourself and how do you lay your stuff out there, you know, for the guy to tell him that the day he lined up and beat him three to one, you know, as a master, you would think you would have a little more respect and just say, you know, hey, you did very well, good job, congratulations, and move on. You know, you don't have to throw the jabs in. I don't understand that mentality. That's what's uh, really misleading out there because none of our people. I've had one where I think he's a six-degree guy spar me one day, and I had the chest protector on, and he loved it because I could feel my ribs bowing in as he punched me. And I was laughing because I've never had somebody hit me so hard that my ribs were bending. You know, and I'm, I'm, I mean, it looks like in the movies, you know, when they punch you and you kind of go in the air. He was almost yeah. lifting me in the air, but my ribs were bending, and I was laughing. And then our fourth degree got mad. Well, you're not supposed to laugh at that. It was fun. Why not? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know uh, one one of the things one of the things that I, I always uh, uh, try to get my students to understand is some reality. You know. Like like he was saying about tapping out early and so forth and so on. One of the things uh, I had a student come up to me and um, and he goes, "Hey, people, I I won first place in my division." I said, "That's great." I said, "I got one question to ask you." He says, "What is it?" I said, "Who scored first? He goes, "Well, he he scored first, but I beat him four to four to one." I said, "Well, actually, you lost." He said, what? I got the trophy. I said, you still lost. I said, because if this was a real fight and that was a knife and he scored and he cut you first, you're dead. You don't get a chance to, to score the other three points. Yeah. I said, so That's right. You have to take in, you have to take in the, the totality of it because I said, now what you need to do is when we get back to the school, you need to figure out what it is that you did wrong. And what I see a lot of times at, at these tournaments is, is a kid will score, and then what he will do is he'll run in there and try to score again and try to get as many points as he possibly can. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell my students, use strategy. If you score first, you know you've got a three-minute round. Move, because you've got time on your side. Now, he's desperate. He wants to get that point and at least to tie it up before time runs out. And because of that frustration, he's going to make a mistake. And when you score that second one, don't go in there to get a third one. Move. And now he's really desperate because now he's got two points to make up for. He's going to make another mistake. And I said, it's the same thing with you. If he scores first, you've got to understand that if that was a streak, that might have been the death blow. So now what you've got to figure out is how you can get that point back, but also when you get back to the school, figure out what you did wrong. And that's why we videotape a lot of of the matches. And then when we get back to the school, we study them like boxers study their previous matches. Right. To to see what they did wrong and then to work on that. So that, because, like I tell them, I said, you're going to see the same kid all the way through your tournament career. Yep. At various tournaments. 
So you're going to be fighting him or her again and again and again and again. And if they keep beating you with the same exact technique every single time, that's on you, not on him. Yeah, I agree with him 100% on that because I videotape my son every tournament. And I try to get every match unless I'm, you know, keeping score or doing something for the tournament. And the thing is, he has to visit that, that video. I mean, there's no sense in me taking a video if he's not going to really visit it and, and, and learn from his mistakes, you know, or um, perfect the move that did work. You know, it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. Well, let's work on that. That was a good move, you know, and it was a natural move. And yeah. uh, that, that's what I like about it. The last tournament, like I said, Chris Pelletieri came up to him and everything. We were working on uh, control, speed, and emotions. That's it. I, care, I told him I didn't care if you won. Just work on those three topics right there, and then you'll be a winner for the whole day. You know? Exactly. Not who comes out with the trophy. Not who comes out with the medal. You know? It's, it's going there with your game plan, execute it, and then you're the winner, man. You know? Because, you know, awesome. because the, big thing, the, the big thing is, is like I tell my people, you know, the only true loser, regardless of what the score said, the only true loser is a person that walks away from that event and has not learned a lesson. That's the person that lost. Even if you walk right. away with the trophy and you didn't learn from that, you are the loser. Well, sir, I you got know, one it, thing to say to you, sir. I really appreciate what you say. I like when you call in and, 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 and total respect because. Thank you, sir. I, I, I love hearing that kind of stuff. That's. That's what this is about, man. People with the passion. You know, well, one of the things that, that, that I try to get my people to understand is like what I said, you know who Alexander Graham Bell is? Oh, yeah, right. Now he created the phone. Okay. <laughs> well, how long did it take him? You know? And one reporter asked him, he said, you know, you have failed 9,999 times. He says, no, I never failed. Found 9,999 ways not to do it. <laughs> and that is, you know, and that's the idea. <laughs> that's my life story. <laughs> you know, and then one day, bingo, he finds the right one on the 10,000 yeah. try, and now we're using phones. So, you know, and, and that's, that's the same thing in history. If you, if you follow some of the greatest names, Colonel Sanders, same thing. He was turned down. Hundreds of times before yeah. he got got it right. I mean, you know, all these guys, and, and, and they always looked at it. That's what scientists look at. They never look at failure. They always say, well, that's another way not to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And until we look at, and what people have forgotten is, before it became titled the martial arts, the original name was martial science, because that's what it is. It's a science. And you're always experimenting. You always are finding new ways that work and ways that don't work. You know, and like Mr. Sparky's always say, you know, technique, old techniques is like old medicine. And old medicine will get you killed. Mm-hmm. So right. what, you, what you do, what you do, though, is you, you may not necessarily throw it away. You may put it in an archive somewhere. Because at some point in the future, you're going to be trying to figure out something, and, and for some reason, it's, the answer is just not coming to you. you got everything that you think you have, and then 
also when you look back at the old stuff and you combine a little bit of the old stuff with the new stuff and now you've got the answer to the problem. Mhm. You know, you don't throw you don't throw any technique or anything away. You may not use it, you may put it in the back burner, but eventually right. it's gonna come around. Look at fashion. I mean, fashion just keeps coming around and around and around and around and around and around. And, and life is like that because there's only so, so many things that can be created so many different ways. And the human body can only move so many different ways by the laws of physics. And all we have to do now is how to combine something that we used to do with something that we're doing now or attempting to do now. And that may mm-hmm. be the thing that makes it work. Mm. So, well, I got um, one thing about fashion. We got to get rid of the pedal pushers. You either wear shorts or you wear pants. Come on, there's no in between on that. I'm sorry. But let's get back to the topic. I'm sorry. Well, well, I'm an old ghost, so I, you will never see me in pedal pushers. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> You know, I, I barely wear shorts. <laughs> we got, uh, I think we you have, guys are awesome. I think of uh, Professor Patrick is he's I think Professor is that is that you seven oh four I think he's back. Yeah, I'm I'm back and I I apologize because uh, I had to take a couple of calls. I'm gonna actually be uh, in Texas next weekend, so I've got a lot of oh. calls coming in preparing for that trip. So anyway, I apologize for that, but I'm glad to hear. Uh, I, I think I'm listening to Goldie. Is is that you? Yeah, yeah. that's me, brother. Man, I'm glad to hear you on. How you doing, brother? <laughs> I'm hanging in there, bro. How about yourself? I'm all right. I'll be your way uh, this weekend, man. Well, uh, give me a shout out when you get here, because uh, uh, I'm going to. I'm supposed to be in D.C. Um, on the third of August because I'm I'm being featured in the Who's Who. Um, Pioneers and Masters book. So yeah, well, um, you'll be coming my way then. You'll be coming my way. Yep, I'll be up so there. So I'm on, going on your way this on, weekend. You'll be coming my way in August. That's out of sight. Exactly. <laughs> I'll be up there uh, that Thursday. The uh, the second third. Okay, great, great. Yeah, nice. that's all right, man. That's all right. Right on. So yeah, I'll holler at you when I'm that way. I'm doing a seminar that Saturday in in West Texas. Uh, but I'll okay, be coming you, through you, Dallas. You got my number, don't you? Um, you can send it to me just to make sure I'm a messenger. Okay. All right. I'll give, I appreciate uh, I, it, I, 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 I'll give you a shout-out. All right. Great. Yeah, I'd, I'd love, love to hook up with you again. It's been many years since I've seen you. I think our last time oh, I saw yeah. you was in the 90s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, don't be giving away my age. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> Well, I gave away mine, too, so, hey. <laughs> you know, but you know what, though, brother? That, with with, your, with the, the advice that you give, with your experience, with your ring time, with your dojo time, if you just open your mouth, people already know you got some time on you. <laughs> they already oh, know. Oh, yeah, that's, that's for sure. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Well, we've only got about 10 minutes left our show so um let's uh let's circle around back to bob still there oh yeah i'm still here absolutely okay so um 
let's just uh, take the next 10 minutes and um, uh, talk a, a little bit about um, drills. Drills, are they useful? Now, we know that nobody fights with drills, but, you know, there are those out there that say that, you know, drills are useful, like kata. Kata is considered a drill, uh, but people will say that, you know, it's uh, drills are useless, you know, uh, and traditional martyrs are useless because they use drills. But I'm doing real world fighting. I actually heard this. They don't do real world fighting. Reality based fighting. Like, you know, I don't know. I'm like, I'm afraid if someone wants to do it, they're not going to tap you out. So, what do you guys thought about drills in the You know, it depends on what kind of drill. It, kind of, it depends on what kind of drills, Rusty. Uh, drills are like a, for, a forum. They're a library. Uh, a drill can be working, mit, doing mitt work, doing jab exactly. cross hook, jab cross uppercut. You're always going to use those no matter what. I don't care what, what order you use those in. So absolutely, they're 100% useful. Absolutely. And, and not, maybe not, and any, not only maybe that, not in the order you're going to do them in, but they're useful. Go ahead, Goldie. Yeah. And, and, and when you look at when you look at drills, it, uh, what you're really doing that that, uh, that I learned uh, when I was uh, working on my degree in kinesiology is that w- what you're doing is you're creating muscle memory. Because right, when you exactly. actually get in, when you get into a physical confrontation, you're not thinking about what you're going to do next. Because if you're thinking, you're getting hit. Right. You know, like, like, like I always tell my students, you know, I don't teach you how to react now. Uh, because they they get confused with that uh, that phrase that for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. Yeah, I said that's true, right. but what you got to understand is what came first. You know, in order to have a reaction, you must first have a what? An action. An action. So right. I don't I don't want I don't want you reacting to a technique because you already been hit. I want you to act on the action because right. then. The worst thing that can happen is you negate one another, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. So the the drills are, are great for muscle memory and teaching you how to act, okay. not react. Perfect. What about you, Professor? Uh, I'm losing people. Is someone still talking? Hello? 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 I'm here. Are you guys? Okay. I hear something now. There you go. There you are. All right. You can hear me now. <laughs> All right. So what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on drills? Are they useful? Oh, you asking me? Oh, yes. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. And uh, the, the thing about drills definitely is um, emotional content. You've got to have a purpose for the drill. A purpose for the right. drill. When I'm, training, when I'm training, you know, with drills, you, you have to uh, – you have to imagine. Uh, here, you imagine the worst thing someone could possibly do to you, and you beat them to it. But that's mm-hmm. what your mindset is. If it's a self-defense concept, that's what the drill is for. You're just not running through back fists and palm heels and open palms and elbow strikes just to get in condition. It's going to condition you, but where's your mind? What are you thinking of? Why are you practicing exactly. that palm heel, that back mm-hmm. fist, and exactly. that open palm? You know, so emotional content. You imagine that you are striking someone, and you imagine what would it take to get them off you. 
and you practice that drill like that. So you use the right. emotional content, and yes, 100%, drills are necessary. Yes. yes. And, 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 you know, but if you think about it, if you, if you think about it, let's say that I'm squaring off with, with you and I throw that, uh, that right thrust punch to your head. Well, if you move your head to, to my left, that technique did not miss. Because if exactly. all you have to do is, is at the extent of, like Mr. Parker said, at the end of every straight line, a circle begins. If you bend that elbow, <laughs> you just turn that, that straight uh, punch into a hook punch and you catch him anyway. That's right. And, That's right. And, and, and if he moves his head to the right of you, when you got that out there, then if you just bend that elbow, he runs into the elbow strike. So you're seeing all yeah. the possibilities that are there in those drills. You don't just throw, do a drill and exactly. say this is the only way to do it, but you look at what are all the possibilities at the end of that drill or during the course of that drill. And it's necessary for classwork because classwork, you're practicing a drill on someone that's 5'4", 130 pounds and someone that's 6'2", 220 pounds and someone that's two, uh, you know, you're practicing a drill with a person that's slow, with a person that's fast, and you're adjusting. Uh, I think I read Ed Parker wrote, the hands are so versatile, it would take three lifetimes to master them. So get this exactly. and use those drills on different exactly. people, different types, different speeds, different situations. You're right. You are right. And remember, Gordon D. Rosola said in the 70s that there's 1 to 14 variations of every single technique. I think it was a little low. Now, exactly. also, you have to remember that Goldie and, and, and Patrick have been around for so long, they've fought with no gear. In right. fact, when exactly. they were coming up, their, their focus mitts were made out of stone. They, they didn't even have leather yet. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> the only, the only thing we had was a mouthpiece and a baseball going cup. Right, an ace bandage, uh, ace bandage and tape that we wrapped around our hands. An ace bandage, yes, an ace right. bandage. Right, that's right. I <laughs> and that and that baseball groin cup didn't do us any good. <laughs> nope, nope. You know, no, it's because because every time you got kicked in the groin, that air that that cup became a suction cup, and it would just suck everything in. <laughs> oh yeah, that was too wild. <laughs> well, Those were some good days, though. Fortunately, we are <laughs> definitely good days. <laughs> so, um, you know, ten seconds according to my according to my uh, board here. Um, you know, unfortunately, we did get to other parts of what we wanted to discuss, such as getting uh, into drills and how, and, and actually talking a bit about specific drills. Always another time. And whatever, you know, to look at, you know, some of these drills and people
Running out of time. And remember, Rusty, there there will be no show next week. Okay. No hey, Goldie, don't forget to shoot me a message. Hey, well, just, just uh, uh, hook up with me on my Facebook page. Just Goldie Mac at Facebook.com. Gotcha. Now, All right.